Hello and welcome to a brand new season of More. Join me and my guests as we read the second book in the Hunger Games series, Catching Fire. I'm super excited and I can't wait to read some more of the series. So let's get started, shall we? Hello and welcome back to another episode of More. We're back again with another one. Thanks for coming back. Hello. <laughs> um, so today we're going to get back into the Hunger Games. We got pretty far last time. Just a quick recap so I can remember mostly and so that you can remember too if you didn't listen to it like right at, right before you listened to this one, I guess. I, I don't know. Anyway, if I remember correctly, right, right, right. They went to the party, President Snow's like, that's not enough, and she came home, and Gail's like, girl, uh, what's up with this? You're getting married to PETA, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, wait a minute, but there was a rebellion in District 8. And then he's like, what? And she's like, oh, wait, 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 I didn't mean that. And then he's like, no, you can't take it back anymore, you gotta keep what you said. And now he is like, he's saying like, you know, we gotta... We gotta escape, we gotta do this. Oh no, no, he wants to start an uprising in District 12. Because that's where they live, and he wants to start an uprising there. So, that's where we are right now. Um, we're page 100. The font looks like 188. I'm like, there's no chance for 188, but it's just 100. Okay, so I, I believe I stopped at... That's where we are during this fight. So, we're gonna continue from there. Page 100. And let's continue! No, we have to leave before they kill us and a lot of other people too. I'm yelling again, but I can't understand why he's doing this. Why didn't he see what's so undeniable? Gail pushes me roughly away from him. You leave then. I'll never go in a million years. You were happy enough to go before. I don't see how an uprising District 8 makes anything, uh, uh, does anything to make it uh, more important than we leave. You're just mad about- No, I can't throw Peter in his face. What about your family? What about the other families, Katniss? The ones who can't run away. Don't you see it can't be about just saving us anymore? Not if the rebellion's begun. Gale shakes his head, not hiding his disgust in me. You could do so much. He throws Cinnab Cinnabon's glo gloves at my feet. I changed my mind. I don't want anything they made in the Capitol. And he's gone. I look down at the gloves. Anything made in the Capitol? That's directed at me? Does he think I'm now another product of the Capitol and therefore something untouchable? The unfairness of it fills me with rage, but it's mixed with the fear over what kind of crazy thing he might do next. I sink down to the fire just before some comfort to work out my next move. I, ca I calm myself by thinking that rebellions don't happen in a day. Gail can't talk in talk to the miners until tomorrow. If I can get to Hazele before then, she might straighten him out. But I can't go now. If he's there, he'll lock me out. Maybe tonight, after everyone else is asleep. Hazele often works late in the night, finishing up laundry. I could go then, tap the window, and tell her the situation so she'll keep Gail from doing anything foolish. My conversation with President Snow in the study comes back to me. My advisors were concerned you would be difficult, but you're not planning on being difficult at all, are you? No! That's what I told them. I said any girl who goes to such lengths to preserve her life isn't gonna be interested in throwing it away with both hands. I think of how hard Hazeli had worked to keep the family alive. Surely she'll be on my side in this matter, or won't she? It's beginning towards noon by now. Days are so short. No point in being in the woods after dark if you don't have to. I stamp up the remains of my little fire, clear up the scraps of food, and tuck Cinnabon's gloves in my belt. I guess I'll hang on to them for a while, in case Gail has a change of heart. I think the look on his face, I think the look of the face when he flung them to the ground, how repelled he was by them. By me. I trudge through the woods and reach my old house where the light, where there's still light. My conversation with Gail was an obvious setback, but I'm determined to carry on with my plan to escape District 12. I did, uh, I decide to find Peter next. In a strange way, since he's seen some of what I've 
been on the tour, it may be easier to sell than to, uh, whoa, whoa, it may be easier to sell than Gail, because sell, sell your idea to, or sell, sell your idea to, probably, I hope. Anyway, I run into him as I'm leaving Victor's village. Been hunting, he asks. You can see he doesn't think it's a good idea. Not really. Going to town, I ask. Yeah, I'm supposed to eat dinner with my family, he says. Well, I can at least walk you in. The road from the Victor's village to the square gets little use. It's safe enough to place a talk, but I can't seem to get the words out. Proposing it to Gail was such a disaster. I gnaw my chap's lips. The square gets closer with every step. I may not have an opportunity again. Take a deep breath and let the words rush out. Peta, if I asked you to run away from the district with me, would you? Peter takes my arm, bring me to a stop. He doesn't need to check my face to tell if I'm serious. Depends on why you're asking. President Snow was convinced by me. There's an uprising in District 8. We have to get out, I say. By we, do you mean just you and me? No. Who else will be going? He asks. My family, yours, if they want to come. Hey, Mitch, maybe, I say. What about Gail, he says. I don't know. He might have some other plans, I say. Peter shakes his head and gives me a, roof, a rueful, rueful smile. I bet he does. Sure, Katniss, I'll go. I give a slight twinge of hope. You will? Yeah, but I don't think, but don't think for a minute, but I don't think for a minute you will, he says. I jerk my arm away. Then you don't know me. Uh, be ready. It could be any time. I take off walking and he's following a pace or two behind. Katniss, Peter says. I don't slow down. If he thinks it's a bad idea, I don't want to know. Because it's the only one I have. Katniss, hold up. I kick a dirty, frozen chunk of snow off the path and let him catch up. The cold dust makes everything look especially ugly. I really will go if you want me to. I just think you better talk it through with Hamish. Make sure he won't be making things worse for everybody. He raises his head. What's that? I lift my chin. I've been so consumed with my own worries. I haven't noticed a strange noise coming from the square. A whistling, the sound of an impact, the intake of breath from a crowd. Come on, Peter says, his face suddenly hard. I don't know why. I can't place this down, even guess at the situation, but it means something bad to him. When we reach the square, it's clear something's happening, but the crowd's too thick to see. Peter steps up to the crate against the wall of the sweet shop and offers a hand to me while he scans the square. I'm halfway up when he suddenly blocks my way. Get down! Get out of here! He whispers, but his voice is harsh with ins insistence. What? I say, trying to force my way back up. Go home, Katniss. I'll be there in a minute. I swear, he says. Whatever it is, it's terrible. I yank away from his hand and begin to push my way through the crowd. People see me, recognize my face, and look panicked. Hands shove me back. Voices hiss. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to add that extra hiss. Sorry, I was being a little extra. Get out of here, girl. Only make it worse. What What do you want to do? Get him killed? At the point, my heart is beating so fast and fierce, I hardly hear them. I only know that whatever waits in the middle square is meant for me. When I finally break through in the cleared space, I see I'm right. And Peta was right. The voices were right, too. Gail's wrists are bound to a wooden post. The the, the wild turkey he shot hangs, hangs above him. The nail dripping through its neck. His jacket's been cast on the side, um, his shirt torn away. He slumps unconscious on his knees, held up only by the ropes at his wrist. What use is it to be back... Ooh, whoa, 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 hold on. What used to be his back is a raw, bloody slab of meat. Yo, that's, you. that's, ugh. That's a, that's a really, I don't like the description. That's gross. A raw, ugh, ugh. That, ooh, sorry. <laughs> oh, poor Gail, ouch. So that's like, mm. Anyway, imagine if Katniss had caught something too. And then she walked into a situation as well. She would have been in so much trouble. I don't know if she would have gotten out of it either. Because Gail is like supposedly Katniss's cousin. And but like I guess like she also is like in trouble now too with President Snow. But I don't think they had like enough reason to like harm a victor because she won, so she's pretty famous in the Capitol, so they can't just go, you know, assigning punishments to the people 
uh, who who won, right? So if she got it, I wonder what would happen to her. Hopefully not. Hopefully not this, because this is this is pretty bad. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. But yeah, ugh, that's that's the terrible description, though. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Standing behind him is a man I've never seen, but I recognize his uniform. It's one of the design for our head peacekeeper. This isn't old. This isn't old Cray though. It's a tall, muscular man with sharp creases in his pants. The pieces of the picture do not quite come together until I see his arm raise the whip. Dang. Okay, we are now on to page. I mean, um, chapter eight, page one o six, and we're gonna keep going. No, I cry and spring forward. It's too late to stop the arm from descending, and I instinctively know I won't have the power to block it. Instead, I throw myself directly between the whip and Gale. I flung out my arm to protect as much of his broken body as possible, so there's nothing to deflect to deflect the lash. Take the full force across the left side of my face. The pain is blinding and instantaneous. Jagged flashes of light crop my vision and I fall to my knees. One hand cuts my cheek while the other keeps me from tipping over. I already feel the wet, the welt rising up, the swelling closing my eyes. The stones beneath me are wet with Gale's blood and the air is heavy with his scent. Stop it! You'll kill him! I shrieked. I get a glimpse of my assailant's face. Hard with deep lines, a cruel mouth, gray hair shaved almost to non-existence, eyes so black they seem like pupils, a long, straight nose redded by the freezing air. The powerful arm lifts again, his sight set on me. My hands fly up to my shoulder, uh, hunger for an arrow, but of course my weapons are stashed in the woods. I grip my teeth in anticipation of the next slash. Hold it! A voice barks. Hamish appears and trips over a peacekeeper lying on the ground. That's so Hamish. He's like, hey guys, I'm here to help, and then like he also trips over him. That's so funny. It's Darius. A huge purple lump pushes past through the red hair on his forehead. He he's he's knocked out but still breathing. What happened? Did he try to come to Gail's aid before I got here? Hamish ignores him and pulls me to my feet roughly. Oh, excellent. He hand he his hand locks under my chin, lifting it. She's got a photo shoot next week, modeling wedding dresses. When am I supposed to tell her stylist? I see a flicker of recognition in the eyes of the man with a whip. Bundled against the cold, my face free of makeup, my braid tucked carelessly around my coat. It wouldn't be easy to identify me as the victor of the last Hunger Games, especially with half my face swelling up. But Hamish has been showing up on television for years, and he'd be difficult to forget. The man rests his whip to whip to his hip. <laughs> like a like a song, like whip to his hip. Whip to his hip. Anyway, I'll I'll continue. <laughs> oh no, I'll please. No no no, we're good, we're good, we're good. Whip to his hip. Whip to his hip. She interrupted the punishment of a confessed criminal. Everything about this man, his commanding voice, his odd accent warns of an unknown and dangerous threat. Where has he come from? District 11? 3? From the Capitol itself? I don't care if she blew up the blasted justice building. Look at her cheek. Think that will be camera ready in a week? Hamish snarls. The man's voice is still cold, but I can take the slight edge of doubt. That's not my problem. No? Well, it's mine. It's about to be, my friend. The first call I make when I get home is to the Capitol, says Hamish. Find out who authorized you to mess on my victor's pretty little face. He was poaching. What business is it of hers, anyway, says the man. He's her cousin. Peter got to my other arm now, but gently. And she's my fiancé, so if you want to get him, expect to go through both of us. Shout out to Peter. He's like, for you, anything for you, baby. <clears throat> Maybe we're it. The only three people in the district who could make a stand like this. Although it's sure to be temporary, there'll be repercussions. But at the moment, all I care about is keeping Gale alive. The new head peacekeeper glances over at his backup squad. With relief, I see their familiar faces, old friends from the hall. You can tell by their expressions that they're not enjoying the show. One, a woman named Perina. Perina? Per Pernina. Perina? Perina. Sure. 
who eats regularly at the greasy say step forward stiffly. I believe for a first offense, the required number of lashes has been dispensed, sir. Unless your sentence is death, which would carry out by a firing squad. That the standard protocol here? Asked the head peacekeeper. Yes, sir, says Perina, and several others nod in agreement. I'm sure none of them actually know because in the hall, the standard protocol for someone showing up with a wild turkey is for everyone to bid on the drumsticks. Very well, get your cousin out of here then, girl. And if he comes to, remind him that the next time he poaches off the Capitol's land, I'll assemble the firing squad personally. The head peacekeeper wipes his hands along the length of the whip, scattering us with blood. Then he coils it into a quick, neat loop and walks off. Most of the other peacekeepers fall in an awkward formation behind him. Small group stays behind and hoists Darius' body up by arms and legs. I catch Perina's eyes and mouth the words thanks but before she uh, before she goes. She doesn't respond, but I'm sure she understood. Gale, I turn my hands, fumbling at the knots, binding his wrist. Someone passes forward a knife and Peter cuts the rope. Gale collapses to the ground. Better get him to your mother, says Haymitch. There's no stretcher, but the old woman at the clothing stall sells us the board that serves as her countertop. Just don't tell where they got it from, she says, packing up the rest of her goods quickly. Most of the square has emptied, fear getting the better of compassion. But after what just happened, I can't blame anybody. By the time we've laid Gale face down on the board, there's only a handful of people left to carry him. Haymitch, Peta, and a couple of miners who work at the same crew as Gale lift him up. Levi, a girl who... Levi? 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 Levi. We're old Levi. A girl who lives a few houses down from mine in the seam takes my arm. My mother kept her little brother alive last year when he caught measles. Need help getting back up? Her gray eyes are scared but determined. No, but can you get Hazele? Send her over, I ask. Yeah, says Levi, and turning on her heel. Levi, I say. Don't let her bring the kids. No, I'll stay with them myself, she says. Thanks. I grab Gail's, Gail's jacket and hurry after the others. Get some snow on that, Hamish orders over his shoulder. I scoop a handful of snow and press it against my cheek, numbing a bit of the pain. My left eye is tearing heavily now, and the dimming light is all I can do to follow the boots in front of me. As we walk, I hear Bristle and Tom, Gail's crewmates, piece together the story of what happened. Gail must have gone to Cray's house, as he's done a hundred times, knowing Cray always pays well for wild turkey. Instead, he found the new peacekeeper, a man they heard someone call Rom Romulus? Romulus? Romo. We're going to call him Romo. Because uh, I can't take him seriously, for sure. Uh, Romo. Romo Thread. Ooh, it's like Nomo Thread. He got, nope. I'm sorry. Anyway, Romo Thread. No one knows what happened to Cray. He was buying liquor in the hob just this morning, apparently, still in command of the district, but now he's nowhere to be found. Thread pulls put Gale under immediate arrest, and of course, since he was standing there holding a dead turkey, there was little Gale could say in his own defense. Word of his predicament spread quickly. He was brought to the square, forced to plead guilty to his crime, sentenced to whipping as he carried out immediately. By the time he showed up, he'd been lashed at least 40 times. He passed out around 30. Dang! That is cruel. That's gotta hurt, for sure. Uh, poor Gale. Uh, yeah. 30, ow. Yep, that description makes sense now. 30 lashes. No, oh, 40 lashes. Sorry, he passed out around 30. Gosh. Luckily, he only had the turkey on him, says Bristle. If he'd had his usual haul, it would have been much worse. He told Thread that he found it wandering around the scene, said it got over the fence, and he'd stabbed it with a stick. Still a crime, but if they'd known he'd been on the uh, woods with weapons, they'd have killed him for sure, says Tom. What about Darius? asked Peta. After about 20 lashes, he stepped in, saying that was enough, only he didn't do it in a smart, official way like Perina did. He grabbed Thread's arm, and Thread hit him with the- Ooh! Hit him, hit him with the butt of the whip. Nothing good waiting for him, says Bristle. 
Doesn't sound like much good for any of us, says Haymitch. Snow begins thick and wet, making visibility even more difficult. I stumble up the walk to my house behind the others, using my ear more than my eyes to guide me. A golden light colors the snow as the doors open. My mother, who was no doubt waiting for me after a long day of unexplained absences, takes in the scene. New head, Haymitch says, and she gives him a curt nod as no other explanation is needed. I'm filled with awe as I always am as I watch her transform to a woman who can who calls me to kill a spider to a woman immune to fear. When a sick or dying person is brought to her, this is the only time I think my mother knows who she is. In moments, the long kitchen table has been cleared, a sterile white cloth spread across it, and Gail hoisted on. My mother pours water from a kettle onto a basin while ordering Prim to put series to pull a series of remedies from the re- uh, medicine cabinet. Dried herbs and tinix tikunix tin kit Tin seatures. Tin seatures? <laughs> Goodness gracious. This is not great. I feel like it's like tinctures. Tinctures, maybe? But it likes tin seatures. Tin seatures. So tin tinctures. We'll go with tinctures. And store bought bottles. I watch her hands and the long tapered fingers crumbling this. Oh, tapered. Yep. Tampered. Tampered? Oh, gosh. Adding drops of that into the basin, soaking a cloth into the hot liquid as she gives Prim instructions to prepare a second brew. My mother glances in my way. Did I catch your eye? No, just swelled shut, I say. Get some more snow in that, she instructs, but I'm clearly not a priority. Can you save him? I ask my mother. She says nothing as she wrings out the cloth and holds it in the air to cool somewhat. Don't worry, says Hamish. Used to be a lot of whippings before Cray. She's the one we took him to. I can't remember a time for Cray, a time when there was a head, pe- a head peacekeeper who used the whip freely. My mother must have been around my age, still working at the apothecary's office with her parents. Even back then, she must have had healer's hands. So, ever so gently, she begins to clean the mutilated fresh flesh on Gail's back. I feel sick to my stomach, useless, the remaining snow dripping from my glove into a puddle on the floor. Peter puts me in a chair and holds a cloth filled with fresh snow to my cheek. Hamish tells Bristle and Tom to get home. I see him press coins to their hands before they leave. Don't know what will happen to your crew, he says. They nod and accept the money. Hazelli arrives, breathless and flushed, fresh snow in her hair. Wordlessly, she sits on the stool next to the table and takes Gail's hand and holds it against her lips. My mother doesn't even acknowledge her. She's gone into the special zone that includes only herself, the patient, and occasionally Prim. The rest of us can wait. Even in her expert hands, it takes a long time to clean the wounds, arrange so what shredded skin can be saved, apply a salve, and a light bandage. As the blood clears, I can see where every stroke of lash landed, and I feel it resonate in the in a single cut on my face. I multiply my own pain once, twice, forty times. I can only hope that Gail remains unconscious. Of course, that's too much to ask for. As the final badge are being placed, a moan escapes his lips. Zelly strokes his hair and whispers something while my mother and Prim go through their meager store of painkillers. The kind usually accessible only to doctors. They are hard to come by, expensive, and always in demand. My mother had to save the strongest for the worst pain. But what is the worst pain? To me, it's always the pain that is present. If they were, if I were in charge, those painkillers would be gone in a day because I have so little ability to watch suffering. My mother tries to save them for those who are actually in the process of dying to ease them out of the world. Since Gail is regaining consciousness, they decide on a herbal concoction that he can take by mouth. That won't be enough, I say. They stare at me. That won't be enough. I know how it feels. That will barely knock out a headache. We'll combine it with a sleep syrup, Katniss, and he'll manage it. The herbs are more for inflammation. My mom begins calmly. Just give him the medicine, I scream at her. Give it to him. Who are you anyway to decide how much pain he can stand? Gail begins staring at my voice, trying to reach me. The movement causes fresh blood to stain his bandages, and an agonized sound comes out of his mouth. Take her out, said my mother. What is she, a hitman? That is so funny. She's like, take her out. Take her out right now. 
Like, that's so intense for no reason. Her mom's, like, kind of a baddie, not gonna lie. Anyway, Hamish and Peta literally carry me out of the room while I shout obscenities at her. They pin me down in a bed in one of the extra bedrooms until I stop fighting. When I lie there, sobbing, tears trying to squeeze out of my, the slit of my eye, I hear Peta whisper to Hamish about President Snow, about the Uprising District 8. She wants us all to run, he says, but if Hamish has an opinion on it, he doesn't offer it. After a while, my mother comes in and treats my face, and then she holds my hand, stroking my arm, while Hamish fills her in on what happened with Gail. So, starting again, she says, like before? By looks of it, he answers, who would have thought we'd ever be sorry to see old Cray go? Cray would have been disliked anyway, because of the uniform he wore. But it was his habit of luring starving young women to his bed for money that made him an object of loathing the district. Dang, that is very uh scandalous. Scandalous in the way that's like bad scandalous because that's taking advantage of people and that's bad. So Cray is bad, so I'm kinda not sad to see him go, but also I am, but not really. No, I'm not sad to see him go. That's that's bad. Bad guy. Boo! Boo to Cray. That's not great. And really bad times, the hungries would gather at his door at nightfall, vying for a chance to earn a few coins to feed their family by selling their bodies. Had I been older when my father died, I might have been among them. Instead, I learned to hunt. I don't know exactly what my mother means by things starting again, but I'm too angry and hurt to ask. It's very disturbed, though, the idea of worse things returning. Because when the doorbell rings, I shoot straight out of bed. Who could it be this hour of night? There's only one answer. Peacekeepers. They can't have them, I say. Maybe they're after you, Hamish reminds me. Or you, I say. Not my house, Hamish points out. But I'll get the door. No, I'll get it, my mother quietly. We all go, We all go though, following her down the hallway to the insistent ring of the doorbell. When she opens it, there's a, not a squad of peacekeepers, but a single snow-caked figure. Mage. She holds out a small, damp cardboard box to me. Use these for your friend, she says. I take off the lid of the box, revealing a half dozen vitals of clear liquid. They're my mother. She said I could take them. Please, uh, use them, please. She runs back to the store before we can stop her. Crazy girl, Hamish mutters as he follows my mother to the kitchen. Whatever my mother has given Gail, I was right. It isn't enough. His teeth are gritted and his flesh shines with sweat. My mother fills a syringe with the clear liquid from one of the vials and shoots it into his arm. Almost immediately, his face begins to relax. What is this stuff? asks Peta. It's from the Capitol. It's called Morphling? Morphling? Morphingling? Morphlinging? Morphling. Morphling. Sure. My mother answers. I didn't even know Mage knew Gail, says Peta. We used to sell her strawberries, I say, almost angrily. When I'm ang- what am I angry about, though? Not that she brought the medicine, surely. She must have quite a taste for them, says Hamish. That's what nettles me. It's the implication that there's something going on between Gale and Mage. I don't like it. Okay, Katniss, who are you actually to say that you don't like that? Because aren't you the girl who's having has literal whole fiancé, and then you expect Gale to be, like, your side chick, side guy, side chick? When you're like, oh, yeah, but, like, you know how I feel about you. Like, you know. You know how I actually feel about you. But, like, PETA, PETA means nothing. But PETA means something. And then you're going and playing with Gail's heart. So, I think Gail, I mean, I think Mage is all in the right to go ahead and, like, talk with Gail. And to, like, you know, have a relationship with Gail. Because who are you? Who are you to actually be like, mm, no. I don't think they should be together. Like, come on, Katniss. Let's not let's not be like that. Let's be the bigger person situation. How about thank your friend Mage for giving you the medicine to help save Gail because Gail is in a lot of pain and you don't like seeing him in pain, so you should just thank Mage and be done with it. Anyway, let's keep going. She's my friend, is all I have to say. Now that Gail has drifted off on the painkiller, everyone seems to deflate. Primpanks us each 
eat stew and bread. My room is offered to Hazele, but she has to go home to other kids. Hamish and Peter are both willing to stay, but my mother sends them home to bed as well. She knows it's pointless to try with me and leaves me to tend to Gail while she and Prim rest. Alone in the kitchen with Gail, I sit on Hazele's stew, holding his hand. After a while, my fingers find his face, a like part of him I've never had cause to touch before. His heavy dark eyebrows, the curve of his cheek, the line of his nose, and the hollow base of his neck. I trace the outlines of stubble on his jaw and finally work my way to his lips, soft and full, slightly chapped. His breath warms my chilled skin. Does everyone look younger asleep? Because right now, he could be the boy I ran into the woods years ago, the one who accused me of stealing from his traps. What a pair were, fatherless, frightened, but fiercely committed to keeping our families alive. Desperate, yet not, yet no longer alone after the day because we found each other. I think a hundred times in the woods, lazy afternoons fishing, the day I taught him to swim, that time I twisted to my knee and he carried me home, mutually counting on each other, watching each other's back, forcing each other to be brave. The first time, I reversed their positions in my head. I imagine watching Gail volunteer to save Rory in the reaping, having him torn from my life, being some strange girl's lover to stay alive, then coming home with her, living next to her, promising to marry her. The hatred I feel for him, for the phantom girl, for everything is so real and immediate, it chokes me. Gail is mine. I am his. Come on, Katniss. No. No. Don't say that. We've been over this. You're going to go with PETA. Gail is not an option right now. Well, yeah, not an option right now. He, he literally, in like, President Snell literally said that he's going to take him out. He's going to take him out if anything goes wrong, if anything happens. So, like, literally, that Gail is not your he's not your priority right now. You gotta you gotta let him go. Can't just say he is mine. I am his. Like you know that that ain't it. Anything else is unthinkable. Why did it take being whip, being him whipped within an inch of his life to see it? Because I'm selfish. You are. I'm a coward. You also are. I'm the kind of girl who, when she actually might be of use, would run, a, ra would run to stay alive and leave those who couldn't follow to suffer and die. This is the girl Gail met in the woods today. No wonder I won the games. No decent person ever does. You say PETA, I think quickly, but I have a question even to that. I knew good and well that my life back in District 12 would be unlivable if I let that boy die. I rest my head forward on the edge of the table, overcome with loathing for myself. I wish I had died in the arena with Seneca Crane. I wish wishing Seneca Crane had blown me to bits the way President Snow said he should have when I held out the berries. The berries, I realized, the answer to who I am lies in the handful of poisonous fruit. If I held them out to save Peter because I knew I would be shunned if I came back without him, then I'm despicable. If I held them out because I loved him, I am still self-centered, although forgivable. If I held them out to defy the capital, I am someone of worth. The trouble is, I don't know exactly what's going on inside of me at that moment. Could it have been people in the district are right that it was an act of rebellion, even if it was an unconscious one? Because deep down, I must know it isn't enough to keep myself or my family or my friends alive by running away. Even if I could, it wouldn't fix anything. It wouldn't stop people from being hurt the way Gail was today. Life in District 12 isn't really so different from life in the arena. At some point, you have to start writing and turn around and face whoever wants you dead. The hard thing is finding the courage to do it. Well, it's not hard for Gail. He was born a rebel. I'm the one making the escape plans. I'm so sorry, I whispered. I lean forward and kiss him. Uh, kiss him? Kiss him where? Where? Katniss, where'd you kiss him? On the forehead, I hope. Homeboy's lips are parched. He literally said it's chapped. Don't, I would not be kissing no chapped lips. Katniss! Katniss, no, don't do that. Okay, whatever. <sighs> okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, uh, his eyelashes flutter and he looks at me through a haze of op, 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 opitates. Opitates? Opit, opitates. Hey, Katnip. Katnip. 
Hey, Gail, I say. Thought you'd be gone by now, he says. My choices are simple. I can die at the quarry in the woods, or I can die here beside Gail. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here and cause all kinds of trouble. Me too, Gail says. He manages to smile before the drugs pull him back under. Dang, dang, dang. Listen, Katniss isn't a villain. She's like an anti-hero kind at this point. Okay, maybe to me. Maybe just to me. Because she is trying to pine after gain. Gain. <laughs> pine after Gale when she has PETA. But, you know, who am I to tell her what to do with her life, right? That's what, that's what President Snow's for. <laughs> that's what President Snow's there for. To tell her what to do with her life. <sighs> anyway, so we are we finished chapter 8. We're on chapter 9 now. Page 128. I'm going to read the first few pages. Then we're going to stop for today. So, yep. Uh, chapter 9, page 128. Let's get into it. Someone gives my shoulder a shake and I sit up. I've fallen asleep with my face on the table. The white cloth has left creases on my good cheek. The other one has uh, that took the lash and thread throbs painfully. Gail's dead to the world, but his fingers are locked around mine. I smell fresh bread and turn my stiff neck to find Peter looking down at me with such sad expression. Dude, you're going to break her heart. Break her heart. Break his heart again. Poor Peter. Like, homeboy has, like, he's been nothing but truthful. He's like, I love you, girl. I ain't never gonna stop loving you, girl. Like, you're the one for me. And then she's like, oh, yeah, me too. And then she goes out and does, pulls this, pulls this stunt? Like, pulls this, like, oh, my gosh. This absolutely, like, disrespectful action saying that. I hope, you know what? I think if Peter heard what she was saying. Oh, no, no, no. I guess she didn't say it out loud. She just, was she was thinking about it. But if he had heard her inner monologue, Bro, he'd be so sad. He'd probably be crying, man. Literally, his only thing, he's like, oh, yeah, my nightmares are thinking that you won't be here. Like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, my gosh. Peter, Peter, I feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry. Sorry I was ever Team Gale. Homeboy is, listen, he's literally, like, dead to the world. Peter's coming here with fresh bread, ready to, like, you know, try to be husband material, be hubby, hubby material. And what is Katniss, Katniss doing? She's out here, Galav she's not Galavanting anywhere, but she's out here hand-holding with Gale, who is not her cousin, who is, she's like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's known me ever whatever anyway let's continue i get the sense that he's been watching us a while go on up to bed katniss i'll look after him now he says Peter, about what's yesterday about running i begin i know he says nothing to explain i see the loaves of bread on the counter in the pale snowy morning light the blue shadows under his eyes i wonder if he slept at all couldn't have been long i think of him agreeing to go with me yesterday him stepping up beside me to protect gail his willingness to throw his lot in with mine entirely when I give him so little return. No matter what I do, I'm hurting somebody. Well, at least you're self-aware, Katniss. Because, yeesh, if you weren't, that'd be that'd be even harder to read. Peta, just go to bed, okay? He says. I feel my way up the stairs, call up under the covers, and fall asleep at once. At some point, Clove, the girl from District 2, enters my dreams. She chases me, pins me to the ground, and pulls out a knife to cut my face. Digs deeply around to my cheek. Uh, opening a wide gash. Then clothes begins to transform, her face elongating into a snout, dark fur sprouting from her skin, her fingernails growing into long claws, but her eyes remain unchanged. She begins the mutation form of herself, the wolf-like creature in the Capitol that terrorized us the last night in the arena. Tossing back her head, she lets out a long, eerie howl that is picked up by other mutts nearby. Clove begins to lap off the blood flowing from my womb. 
each lick sending a new wave of pain through my face. I give a strangled cry and wake up with a uh, start, sweating and shivering at once. Cradling my damaged cheek in my hand, I remind myself that it was not Clove, but Thread who gave me this wound. I wish that Peta was was here to hold me. So remember, I'm not supposed to wish that anymore. I have chosen Gale and the, rebe- and the Rebellion and the future with Peta and the Capital Design. Uh, is the Capital Design. Ooh. Bleh. Okay, I'll read the line one more time. I have chosen Gale and the Rebellion, and a future with Peta is the capital design, not mine. Okay, we're going to stop there. Page 121, that's where we are. We're getting through it, kind of, sort of, not really, but, you know, interesting. Interesting, interesting, is interesting. So, Gale got in trouble for doing what they used to do, um, doing their old little haunts and whatever, which is not great, but could have been worse, he could have died, like they, like they were saying back in the hog. Um... I think changes are coming for sure. I think she unintentionally started a re- uh, rebellion. Seeing how there was like the thing in District 11 back with like the do 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 do, you know, with that. But um, I feel like yeah, whatever she does now, whatever she does now, <laughs> whatever she does now, she's kind of become the face of the rebellion. Even the way in the Capitol, how they're all having like her Mockingjay as like their symbol. I feel like the Mockingjay is like the symbol of the rebellion, you know. And so now, whether she likes it or not, she's going to be the face of the rebellion. And the next one is the quarter quell, which means last the last quarter quell, which was Hamish's quarter quell, was when there was like 48, 48 people. Because um, it was like four people from each district, I think. Yeah, four people from each district came. 48 people and Hamish won. Like, imagine if it's like that. What if it's like, um, what's uh 24 times? Uh, three. That's, um, 90. No. Yeah. No. Hold on. Ni- 90. 92? 92 people? Yeah, I did that right. So, 92 people coming together for, like, the quarter quell. Wouldn't that be insane? And then she has to, like, coach, like, six people to try, like, or she and Peta have to coach it. I wonder if Haymitch can coach too, or if they only have, like, one coach or something. I don't know. But, that's gonna be crazy. I feel like President Snow is not gonna let them get away with this because he's mad. He's really he's big mad. You know, he his plan is not working. People are rebelling. People can't get their things in the Capitol, which is like his um, ideal place to live and whatever. So I assume that President Snow is gonna want to do something about it. He's gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna make sure that they know that they can't do this. Like rebelling is not gonna do anything. So he's gonna try and do something really drastic so that that he can um you know so that he can send a message and say like you guys like you guys are not you're not uh, you're not gonna do anything like this rebellion thing isn't gonna be good and you're gonna suffer for it you know but hey anyway 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 we got kind of far not really but it's been fun this is fun i can't wait for the next part of the chapter and for katniss to stop breaking Peter's heart stop breaking his heart man Stop it. Stop. Poor guy does not deserve it. Anyway, that's it. I'm done for today, but I will try and record again. I don't know. I'll aim for once a week, maybe twice a week if I have time. But yes, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I will see you all again in the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, email me at morebookquestions at gmail.com. So see you next time. Bye.